The sermon preached at St. John's Evangelical Lutheran Church of Hancock, Minnesota, a member of the Wells, on September 29, 2013, based on James 1, verses 1 through 8. Please stand. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. We pray. Lord, may the meditation of our hearts and the words of our mouth be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Dear friends in Christ, fellow saints, wash clean in the blood of our risen Savior. What makes you happy? What would you put on a list of the joys in life? How would you complete the sentence... Consider it a great joy whenever maybe thoughts of family all gathered safe and sound at home well fed and content. Maybe thoughts of relaxation that that weekend away or that time out in the woods waiting for a deer. Maybe thoughts of excitement or celebration. A victory for your team or an unexpected windfall. Maybe thoughts of accomplishment, a job well done, an excellent report card, a good season. Maybe even thoughts of of gathering together in worship with your fellow believers, praising your Savior here on earth, anticipating that time in heaven before the throne of the Lamb. But how did James complete that sentence? He writes... Consider it a great joy whenever you experience various trials. Now that would not have been my first thought. But listen, listen to the words that the Holy Spirit gave James to write here. You have them in the inside of your bulletin. And let these words of the Spirit shape the way you and I think and feel about trials. He writes... James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes in the dispersion, greetings. Consider it a great joy, my brothers, whenever you experience various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. But endurance must do its complete work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives to all generously and without criticizing, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, without doubting. For the doubter is like the surging sea driven and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. An indecisive man is unstable in all his ways. Yes, dear friends, count your trials as opportunities, joyful opportunities for your faith. That's the theme here today. Count them as opportunities for your faith to be trained to endure, part one. And count them as opportunities for your faith to pray for wisdom, part two. Now, as the letter here begins... We meet the author, a man by the name of James. Now, the James who wrote this letter 
was probably the, the James who became the leader of the church in Jerusalem. This is not the same James we know from the trio Peter, James, and John. That James was the brother of John, the son of Zebedee. He was the first of the twelve disciples to suffer a martyr's death, killed by the hand of King Herod, as recorded in Acts chapter 12. That's the James of Peter, James, and John. But later on in Acts, in Acts chapter 15, we hear of another James who has become the, the, the leader of the council in Jerusalem. He's referred to elsewhere as James, the brother of our Lord. And since he was so well known in the early church by these first recipients of this letter, he didn't really have to introduce himself anymore. Simply writing the name James made that clear. Now, who is he writing to? He addresses it to the twelve tribes in the dispersion. Twelve tribes, he's referring to Jewish Christians, the Jews who, who had become Christians, followers of Jesus, and he refers to the dispersion, the, the scattering out. And when we remember our Bible history, we, we get a little insight here. On the day of Pentecost, the uh, disciples began preaching the good news of Jesus right there in Jerusalem. Thousands believed. And in the next couple of years, the disciples continued to focus their work in Jerusalem. And many more believed as that early church in Jerusalem began to grow. More and more of the Jews believed in Jesus. This church was made up of almost exclusively, if not entirely, Christians of Jewish descent and ancestry. And the church was growing until the time of a, of a man named Stephen, a faithful Christian Jew. He was arrested by the Sanhedrin, and as he was on trial before them, he boldly called them to account for their obstinacy and pointed them to Jesus, whom they had crucified, pointed them to Jesus as the righteous one. Overcome with Mad anger, the Sanhedrin dragged Stephen out of the city and stoned him to death even as Stephen prayed, Father, forgive them. Do not hold this sin against them. And that, the martyrdom of Stephen, marked the beginning of an intense persecution against those Jews who had become Christian. A persecution carried out not by the Romans, but by their fellow Jews. And so those early Jewish Christians scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. They dispersed away from Jerusalem. And as a leader in the church in Jerusalem, James, in concern for those fellow Jewish Christians who now were scattered and dispersed, many of whom he, he probably had served as a pastor when they were back in Jerusalem, in concern for them, James writes, these words that the Holy Spirit gives him to strengthen these Jews who had become Christian. Just think of the trial they were going through. They had to leave their home. They fled. Who knows what they left behind? And now they were enduring the, the, the hatred and persecution from the hands of their fellow Jews many of whom no doubt had once been close and dear family and friends. 
What a burden for following Jesus. How tempting. How tempting to to give up. And so James writes to them, Consider it a great joy, my brothers, whenever you experience various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. When things are going well, how easy for me to imagine that my faith is pretty strong. Maybe you know that feeling that imagines that you can face anything. And then a trial strikes, like a blaze of burning fire, and it feels as if my faith just evaporates into nothingness. Why did God let this happen? It was so much easier to believe before. Why is he undermining my faith like this? But dear friends, do you know what God is actually doing there? He's not undermining my faith. Rather, he's exposing just how shallow and self-centered my faith had been. And, And such a faith, such a faith, needs that time of testing because such a faith that is self-centered will not endure. And so the Lord uses that time of testing. He uses it to expose the shallowness of, of, of that faith to show that though I had thought my faith had been so strong, I was really trusting myself more than I was trusting my Lord. Oh, he could have simply let me slip farther and farther into that self-faith until I was completely lost. Or he could send a, a trial to show to show me how much my faith still needed to grow and through that trial to draw me closer to him to trust in him more than in myself, to trust in him. Now, which of those truly brings joy? Consider it a great joy whenever you experience various trials. Through those trials, he trains my faith to endure and persevere by trusting him alone. Iron mixed with clay is brittle. It does not last. But iron tempered by fire with the impurities burnt away endures. Faith only endures as long as what it's holding on to, what it's trusting in and leaning on lasts. Faith that's trusting in myself is trusting in a brittle clay jar that came from dust and will return to dust. Such a faith is worthless. Only Jesus and his word endures forever. Only Jesus' love and forgiveness lasts for eternity. Faith that endures clings to Jesus and his word Or also, dear friends, think about a marathon runner. How would he or she ever complete that race if they did not go through training? 
And that training isn't easy. It takes effort, time, and straining. It has its share of soreness, aches, and pains. But as that person matures as a runner, then they will finish those 26.22 miles. And in the same way, as the Lord works through the trials of our life, he trains our faith to persevere, to endure, to finish the race. What joy. What joy that our Lord Jesus has the compassion to send those trials, to train our faith and temper us to persevere. He desires for you to grow and mature in your faith. He longs to show that your faith does not lean on earthly props, but trusts in him and his word alone. But do you and I have the wisdom to see our trials in this way and count them as pure joy? James answers that as he as we come to the second part here. James writes, Now if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives to all generously and without criticizing, and it will be given to him. Trials are an opportunity for your faith to pray for wisdom. Now remember how James introduced himself back in verse 1? He called himself a slave of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. For you see, Jesus had redeemed him to be his very own. Jesus had purchased him with his lifeblood. What a gracious and self-sacrificing Lord Jesus is. And he has done the same for you and me, dear friends. Why would we not go to him in prayer? Why would we doubt that he who has already given himself for us into death on the cross would not give us the wisdom we need as we ask him for it. Why would we doubt such a gracious Lord who ransomed us when we were lost and condemned creatures? Or consider the bounty of our Heavenly Father. He promised to send his one and only Son to be our Savior and he kept that promise sacrificing his greatest treasure for you and me, his dearest treasure. Will he not now also give us the wisdom he has promised as we ask him for it? Why would we ever imagine that he would criticize or ridicule us for asking him just as he has invited and commanded us to ask, to ask him for that wisdom Yes, why would we doubt such a generous Father who is wholeheartedly focused on our best interest? When we doubt, we become like a wave on on the surging sea tossed back and forth every which direction by the wind. For you see, doubt, doubt takes our eyes off of Jesus. Think think about Peter. 
when he focused on Jesus and Jesus' words of invitation that invited him to come out of that boat and walk on that storm-tossed sea, Peter walked on the water. But then he became indecisive, double-minded. Rather than thinking about only Jesus, he was then he started thinking about the waves and the water and the worry of drowning. He began to sink. Pray for wisdom, dear Christian friends. Pray with your faith focused only on Jesus and his word of promise. Pray for wisdom, knowing that Jesus answers that promise through the word, through the holy scriptures. That's how he he makes us wise. And so if we are praying for wisdom, we are also studying his word, for that's how he answers that prayer. Take his word to heart. Think about it. Learn it. Ponder it. Mull it over. Inwardly digest it. Make it a part of yourself. Live it. Put it into practice. Remember what the Apostle Paul wrote to young Pastor Timothy. He made it clear to Timothy that it is the Holy Scriptures that make us wise for salvation and fully equip us for everything that we need for faith and a Christian life, including the wisdom that we need to count our trials as opportunities for faith. Yes, dear friends, pray. Pray, Heavenly Father, you know all things and nothing is beyond your power. I am so weak and helpless. Doubts trouble me when I look at the trials in my life. I don't know what to do. Give me the wisdom that follows your Son, Jesus Christ, my Savior, who endured the greatest trials and sufferings for me. Give me the faith that follows him to the cross, even as I carry my cross. Let me see your wisdom, grace, and mercy shining out from your word of truth, even into the darkest spots of my life. Enlighten me with your word, so that my faith continues to mature as I keep on growing up in knowledge and grace, grant me the endurance and the wisdom to count my trials as joyful opportunities, opportunities for my faith to show the greatness of your forgiving love in Christ Jesus, even as Stephen did in his time of trial. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.